here that I think we've seen in a while to where I'm looking at all of these seeds outside of South Dakota State and going, each one of these seeds can lose. podcast of FCS Fans Nation with your hosts Kyler Neal, Matthew Frazee, and Jamie Williams. FCS Fans Nation, 16 teams remain down in the valley, up in the sky, on the coast, and down south. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the FCS Fans Nation podcast. We are on to round two of the 2023 FCS playoffs. The OG crew, Jamie Williams, Kyler Neal, Matt Frazee, coming through your airways. And we just came off an awesome first round of FCS action. And we're here to react to it. Uh, we are feeling good. Our tummies are full from Thanksgiving. Jamie, lots to be thankful for. I'm just going to assume here you and your family maybe participate in some traditions, maybe some turkey. Are you one of those families that like, will you go catch a movie or or maybe go bowling? Will you hit the bowling alley or something over no, Thanksgiving gonna... weekend? Huh? No, I'll probably go bowling uh, around mid-December sometime. Uh, oh, okay. that, that's more than we go bowling. Uh, no, otherwise, it's just family gathering at the house, uh, watch the end of the parade, roll into three football games with some turkey in the middle. That's pretty much what we do. But, yeah, bowling comes later uh, into December. Beautiful. Uh, Kyler's rocking that jam you had. Congratulations to all our – we still have people who listen to it. Preston Adams, great folks, Brandon Owens, our Jacksonville State and James Madison fans – uh, who have moved on to the FBS ways, uh, going bowling because there weren't enough six-team wins up there at that FBS level. So congratulations to you guys. That'll be exciting to watch. It's cool to see the transition rules kind of take a slap in the face. Kyler, you are that guy, and we missed you on our live episode. We love seeing Hi, your friends. beautiful face. How was your Thanksgiving? And uh, welcome back, my friend. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. Uh, Dustin the ref for holding down the fort last week. Mm-hmm. Um Thanksgiving was good. I smoked a turkey for the first time because this little house that we're in temporarily, the oven is so small and Kelsey makes a lot of food. So um, she said, you're smoking it. And if it turns out bad, you know, I'm probably leaving you. But luckily, (laughs) she did not leave. It was the best damn turkey I've ever had in my life. So um, I got to give myself props. Screw all you and all you people thinking you can cook a turkey because this was the greatest thing of all time. That is awesome. I'm jealous of that food. We we'll see if you think there's any chance you experience Frisco tailgate food as good as that smoked turkey or no. No, no. <laughs> I don't even what good food have we had in Frisco since the years we've been down there? Like would we go to the smokehouse and have smoked turkey and smoke? Yeah, we moved in the tailgate. But, we move um, too much in the tailgate. We move. Oh no, we don't ever stop. Yeah, we, we get hot dogs, which we appreciate the shit out of. So keep feeding yeah. us hot dogs. We'll eat that. But those are not comparable. It's still amazing when you're drunk. And I'll take a hot dog every day of the week. But uh, yeah, this smoked turkey was amazing. She brined it for you know 24 hours, put some seasonings on it. Yeah, it's nice. It nice. That's amazing. 
a lot to be thankful for. And uh, we, of course, are thankful for our sponsors of our amazing show here on the FCS Fans Nation podcast. We're going to get a quick word from them, and then we're going to roll into round two and the big seven. The FCS Fans Nation podcast is brought to you by Walk on Apparel. Walk on Apparel specializes in FCS and mid-major clothing and believes that every fan base should have quality options to rep the schools they love. Along with you receiving a great product, 10% of the profit from every sale is donated directly to that school's athletic fund. Visit walkon-apparel.com and use promo code FCSFANSNATION to get 15% off of your purchase. Limited schools currently available with new releases monthly. Walk on Apparel. Up the fans, up the culture. The FCS Fans Nation podcast is also sponsored by the ultimate analytical prediction football experience. Introducing the Versus Sports Simulator, your secret weapon for predicting FCS, mid-major, and all other football games. Get ahead of the game and take your sports betting and knowledge to the next level with a site and app that's built to ignore bias and just give you the facts. If you subscribe today and use promo code FCSFANSNATION, you'll save 20% on your subscription. You can download the Versus app on the App Store and Google Play by searching Versus Sports Simulator or going to VersusSportsSimulator.com. With Versus, it's not a prediction. It's science. The top seven FCS topics of the week. This is the Big Seven. Round one brought us some... Fun, fun games, guys. I'm actually amazed at how many people did so well in our bracket challenge on the FCS Fans Nation Facebook page. Kudos to everybody for submitting those brackets. Well over 100 of them. Very impressive. And uh, let's get the reaction. Um, we're may maybe not doing as much reaction. More looking forward here into the future as a lot of our fan questions came in, starting with Levi Loggins. Uh, hear about North Dakota State and that Montana State game coming up here. With NDSU's win over Drake, will the Cats have a chance at home coming off the bye, says Levi Loggins. So this is really a narrative that's out there. Everybody knew this game was going to happen. Drake never really had a shot against North Dakota State. But the question here is, are people overvaluing NDSU going into Montana State? Is Montana State a team that just because they kind of looked rough against the Grizz are likely to maybe get rolled over a little bit. I, I am very confused about where people are coming from with this game, and I'm interested to see what your thoughts are on it. Kyler, from a Montana State team that seemed to be uh, the toe-to-toe, neck-and-neck with SDSU initially early in the year, now they might not get past the second round, or might they? What are your feelings with North Dakota State going into this game? I don't think this Drake game did anything to change my mind about NDSU or anything like that. I mean, NDSU couldn't even get 600 yards against Drake. You know who did? North Dakota and South Dakota State. You're the only Division I program, Matt, who couldn't get 600 yards against this. And I mean Division I scholarship team who couldn't get 600 yards versus crappy Pioneer League team. So, um, no, I just want to troll Matt a little bit. Hey, don't, um, compare, don't compare us to other North Dakota, South Dakota teams. We're not on their level. Yeah. Not on other Dakota team levels. Perfect. Um, no, I mean, NDSU did what they were supposed to do. You're supposed to beat down these Pioneer League teams, and this wasn't a strong year in the Pioneer League anyway. I mean, Drake lost to a Division II team. Um, so this is one of those, and not a good Division II team. I Actually, I think they were undefeated, so maybe they were a good Division II team. But, um, 
Yeah, I mean, NDSU did what they were supposed to do. I don't think this changes my mind about Mon- Montana State. Like, there, were, I saw some comments online that said, oh, because of this game, Montana State's not ready for us. What? You played great. I mean, I, I don't – this is what you're supposed to do if you are a top five team, top ten team. You're supposed to beat the crap out of these teams that don't offer scholarships. And this is just typical North Dakota State. They played really strong defense, held them down to 200 yards. Um, and really, they did whatever they wanted offensively. Montana State's a completely different beast than Drake. So I, I still don't know what to expect. I mean, this will be one of the better rush defenses that Montana State's going to see. But they did play a better one in Montana, and they did play a better one in South Dakota State. And they went 0-2 in those games, but one of them was at least close in South Dakota State in the beginning of the year. So I don't know. I'm sure we're going to predict these at the end. I don't think this win did anything to change my mind about the upcoming game. Both these teams can beat each other. I really do believe that. I don't think NDSU is any better than Montana State, and I don't think Montana State's any better than NDSU. They're probably pretty equal, but play completely different styles. And we're just going to have to figure out which team shows up. These two teams can definitely beat each other. It's going to be really fun to watch, especially with the adjustment of North Dakota State. Because North Dakota State, and it's been the last three weeks, that that's where I think the, the confidence is rolling in for people towards the Bison. Number one, Montana State did not finish the year well against Montana. And, you know, end of the day, they dropped more games than people expected. And NDSU... They really have, when you watch the offense, initially we were complimenting them. The out-of-conference are like, wow, they use these two running, they use these two quarterbacks, both as running backs with this power game, and it's really fun to watch. And it got figured out quick as soon as it hit Valley play. Like Valley teams are like, okay, you're just not going to run on us. You don't have that offensive line that normally can get that big push. But clearly NDSU looked around and said, we might have a pass protection-based offensive line and a quarterback who can actually sling the ball pretty damn well. And we've got Eli Green and Raja Nelson, and we actually have skill players. Wait a second. Why don't we just wake up here a little bit and actually utilize this passing game in a more efficient way to set up the run because we can't just run over teams. And against, I think it speaks more about the Southern Illinois win and the UNI wins of absolute offensive dominance and that defense looking a little bit better outside of the secondary, I would say. But the thing is, is I do think people are overconfident in NDSU. I think going to Montana State is not going to be an easy task. That's going to be a sellout, full-throat crowd. I do think Montana State's lines are much improved. They clearly showed that against South Dakota State. The Grizz game was daunting, and maybe that speaks to the Grizz. Maybe the Grizz are just absolutely on fire and ready to go. But I kind of lean where you are, Kyler, and yes, we're going to predict this at the end of it. I think this could be a 10-point win either way for either team. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to see who comes out on top. You're going to learn basically everything about this game in the first quarter, really, in my opinion. So, Jamie, what's your gut tell you about these two teams? This is the big matchup people are really interested in for next week. No. This matchup if you sucks. Were, if you were pointing at how the NDSU dominated Drake as to why they're going to beat Montana State, then – you might be an NDSU fan because you're out of your gourd. Hey, like it's just it's just so funny the crap I've seen of oh, did you see what we did to Drake? Okay. Okay. The three of us and eight of our best friends could go out there and beat Drake. So what? 
Like they're terrible. And you did what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to win. I I think I predicted 63 to 7. I, I was off by a little bit each way. That's what you're supposed to do. Congratulations. Now it's time to play big boy football. You got what the CAA usually gets, which is a cream puff in the first round. Deservedly, regionally, you got who you should have gotten. You did what you should have done. Now it's time to play football. You're going outside. You're going on the road. That's not a place NDSU has been in the playoffs in a long time. And I think the last time they were, they fumbled at the goal line and still to this day talk about whether it was a fumble or not. Uh, so Hey, to be well, fair, we killed Montana State the week before. We killed Montana State. Yeah, they just couldn't play a real team. Oh, come on now. So <laughs> – so all, all jokes aside, I think this is going to be an excellent game. I think we're going to look at a low-scoring game. Um, both teams are going to look to establish the run, and whoever can hit the most passes is, is probably going to win the game. And right now I have more confidence in Cam Miller than I do Malott or Chambers because I don't know what Vega is going to come out and do. We thought a couple years ago in the uh, national championship game, oh, yeah, Vega will have a game plan. They'll be ready. And NDSU throttled them. Both teams are completely different, so don't look at that game either. But look at the fact that NDSU is coming in on a roll. They're playing great football. Montana State has scuffled against the good teams, but they're still a good team. It's still going to be a great game, and uh, we'll predict it at the end. It is absolutely going to be a lot of fun to watch, and uh, I'm interested to see where those predictions go near the end of the episode. Uh, Yeah, watch the first quarter and see how NDSU – or Montana State is effectively moving the ball in the way they want to. If Cam Miller's got, if he's five for six at the end of the first quarter and NDSU's got seven points on the board, that's a great start. If Montana State is getting those four or five yards a pop in that running game and Malat's not having to do a lot, that's great for Montana State. So I think that could be some glaring, um, there could be some giveaways right away in that first quarter. Uh, Jamie Williams, you know, you're used to be dominating the CAA there as a JMU Duke, but now the CAA is out on its own and it didn't do too shabby this last weekend, but Andrew Markham, our good friend wants to know the CAA won their games, but looked underwhelming and slow doing it. Being this is the first time many have got to see the CAA teams shout out flow sports. Is this normal in the CAA? So what do you think, my man, the coastal showed up better than we thought. What were your thoughts on their performance? Yeah, that coastal showed up better than another coastal I know about yesterday, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, dang. Got but, them. but here's the thing. Were they really underwhelming? Richmond put up 500 yards of offense. Yeah, the game was close early, but they scored 35 points in the second half. They went in at halftime. Russ Usman put something together. Uh, they locked down a little bit more on Davius Richard, who still had a wonderful game, 262 through the air and a touchdown, 51 on the ground, three touchdowns. So he didn't get much help. Uh, he counted for all the offense, but he threw an interception. Kyle Workersham played great at, at quarterback, threw for 291. Combined, they ran for 215. So Richmond, I, I don't see it that underwhelming at all. Why am I defending Richmond? Your theme is going to be me defending teams that I usually don't root for here. But, I mean, Richmond was very good. Uh, you know, 49 points, uh, that's, that's a good showing. And then Villanova, or not Villanova, Delaware. I don't know why I keep saying Villanova. I do it every time. Nice hat, Matt. Delaware fell behind 28 to seven early with a lot of turnovers and then wound up finding their way back to a, a two point win there over uh, a strong Lafayette team. So you can maybe call that underwhelming until you look at the fact that they're on their third string quarterback. The third string quarterback still put up 36 points for Delaware. I, I don't call that underwhelming. Now, do I think either of those teams are going to win this week? 
Eh, probably not. Maybe not. Richmond might have a chance. I, I don't think Delaware does. Um, but they both won their home games. The, I think we're going to have a, a piece again where the CAA teams are going to do exactly what they're expected to do, nothing more. That's where they're going to wind up. Do you think that success for them looking, you know, Delaware is going off to Montana and we're, we don't really give away predictions, but, um, and then Albany playing Richmond is a straight CAA matchup right there. Outside of that, that is it for the CAA. So they're definitely going to get one into the final eight. Um, no, Villanova you plays Youngstown. Villanova oh, Youngstown. Yep. Villanova Youngstown as well. How do you anticipate like a Delaware looking against Montana? If you can kind of, Give us a hint without predicting it, I suppose. It really depends on whether Ryan O'Connor's healthy or not. And I don't know the status. I need to look that up. Or even Zach Marker. I'd rather it be Ryan O'Connor for Delaware to have more of a chance. If you've got to go in for Miniucci, which kind of for a while looked there, looked like Mini Bendinucci with all the turnovers. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't see success for them uh, with him. Uh, no disrespect, but if Ryan O'Connor plays, you know, they give Montana a game. Interesting. Uh, Kyler, what's your guts tell you about the CAA after this last uh, weekend and uh, come, moving forward here in the playoffs? They're, they're, they're kind of back from what we anticipated, huh? No. Um, I, I kind of disagree with what Jamie just said because also just a few weeks ago, he compared FAMU to this, you know, uh, North Central, North Carolina Central team. And that they played against a really bad, in my opinion, SLU team or a mediocre SLU team who had no defense and they only got 14 points. So now we got this North Central team who actually scored uh, 27, something like that. So Richmond's, I don't know, it, it is what it is. Richmond's not bad. They're not good. Um, Delaware was very underperforming. I, I don't care what anyone says, even with down a third string quarterback, you should, if you are a school like Delaware with <laughs> the facilities, with the recruiting, with the blue blood pedigree, you should be able to beat a Patriot League team without a quarterback. I don't care. You should be able to just run it down their throats. Uh, Lafayette's not good. Holy Cross was not good this year. Fordham, not good this year. I don't care what anyone says. Those were not good teams this year. The Patriot League sucks. Um, the difference is the CA got really easy draws, and now this next week they got more difficult draws, so we're going to really see what the CA is made of, but the CA is not bad. They have a lot of mediocre to good teams, but no great teams. Uh, I do really believe that. So I agree with Jamie in that aspect where, you know, the CA is, they did what they were supposed to do. They were supposed to go 2-0 and in these games, but they were supposed to have 2-0 and blowouts, in my opinion. Um, that, that's really what the CA should have done. They should have beat each team by 35-plus. These were not good teams that got into the playoffs. These were slightly better than Southland, Pioneer, and NEC team. Not much. They were about the same caliber. And you just saw what we just talked about. NDSU just dominated by 70 points. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to do what Southern Illinois did to Nichols. That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to do what Villanova or Youngstown State did to Duquesne. That's what you're supposed to do when you're playing these teams that are not at the same caliber. And I'll probably get a lot of hate for that. But it is what it is, right, Matt? It is Matt, what it, it is. It is what it is. They're just not at the right caliber. They're not at the same caliber as a CA, the SOCON, the Big Sky, and the Missouri Valley. And you should be blowing out these teams. The fact that Lafayette almost beat Delaware. Again, I don't care if their eighth-string quarterback's out. I don't care if their 98-year-old strength and conditioning coach is playing quarterback. They should beat Lafayette by 14, 21, 28 points. It, like, we'll see. 
maybe the nice thing is they're going to learn from their mistakes. They're going to learn from their slow start and um, go into Missoula and, you know, put a clinic on. I'm rooting for that. <laughs> Believe me, guys, there's nothing more, th more than I want than to every Big Sky Missouri Valley team to lose this week. I want them all to lose. So I'm a big CA and SOCOM supporter of this week. But, um, yeah, they were underwhelming. But, again, this is kind of the CA of the new world. There's no real contenders. There's just a lot of good teams and a lot of middle-tier middle, middle -tier teams, but there's no great. And that's kind of what we saw in the first round. It will be interesting to see how it plays out uh, with the CAA. We'll see if they get another uh, opportunity to keep advancing, especially if they can get past Youngstown with Nova. They're guaranteed to get two into the top eight, which would be very interesting to see. And uh, maybe they're not they that guy there, Kyler. And they should be able to, if the CAA is that good, they should be able to get through Youngstown. Yep, absolutely. Youngstown State was a last four in, right? They were, yep, one of the lower on the Missouri Valley. Uh, so they there. should, if the CA is really good and still the big three, which I'm kind of hoping for. They're, I'm hoping for there's a big four. I would love the SOCON to be a power again. But you need to get past Youngstown State if you are a top-tier team from the CA. We will see what happens. And speaking of the SOCON, great transition there, Kyler Neal. Uh, yeah, because I'm the best. Yes, you are, my man. <laughs> Furman and Chattanooga coming up here. Greg Talent has a question for us. Given the results against Austin P, will starting a different quarterback actually benefit Chattanooga in a second-round rematch against Furman? Uh, if you guys didn't know, um, they've got a freshman at the helm here. They've got Luke Schoenberg going because of their injury to their more senior quarterback, Chase. He has been out uh, since, I think, pre the Alabama game for Chattanooga. And now you've got a redshirt freshman there at the helm. And uh, he played pretty well, but only a three-point victory in a very intense close game there for Chattanooga to go over Austin P. Uh, shout out to the Govs on a great season, by the way, and sideline Austin P's great followers on Twitter. Uh, Jamie, this one is very, very interesting because Furman came into this playoff dropping all the way to the seventh seed. Could have been a top two or three after losing to Wofford. And now you have Chattanooga coming in there, and Kyler just asked about the SOCON being a power conference. And Chattanooga was the shock of the bracket. Um, shout out to the committee. They did a good job, but we were mind-blown to see them in the field. So what does your gut tell you about this game? Will this make any difference in a rematch against Furman? The only thing that makes a difference, you're looking at the wrong team for the quarterback. Because if Tyler Huff is back to healthy and – we don't, I don't know if, if Dominic Roberto will be able to play. Those two both missed the Wofford game. If they both play, I, I think Farman's going to roll. Uh, I think I, I just need to see who's going to who's going to play there. Um, Schaumburg played well. I mean, definitely uh, they went and uh, played a, a solid Austin P team and a solidish Austin P team, and and they got to win. I, I don't know that you know Austin P's great. I don't think Chattanooga's is great. They backed in. They to me, they still shouldn't have been in the field, but you know they they won the game, won the last second field goal. But um, all I know is we're guaranteed a quarterfinal team from the SoCon, and then we'll see what they do from there. I don't think much, uh, but I think the quarterback question is more on the Furman side than the than the Chattanooga side uh, with uh, a Tyler Huff who's been a beast all year. I mean, very. I mean, you guys have said that Furman, um, you know, Chattanooga when they were kind of hot early. Any really these SoCon teams, you've said quarterfinals at the the furthest. They're going to hit the quarterfinals. And Kyler, is that where your gut kind of tells you? First off, stick to Furman, Chattanooga. Do you think Chattanooga has a shot in this game? Is it just injured quarterbacks, or 
or what are we looking at here? I mean, we, we still have to remember the first time they played was the first time Furman's back quarterback was playing, I believe. Right? I, I could be wrong correct. on that. That I might be, be the game you went out in. Yeah, I think he went out early, right? So then um, you had um, – gosh, what's Furman's quarterback's name? I want to say it's it's not Chipper Jones, but in my head I keep wanting to say Chipper Jones. Well, Tyler uh, Huff is the one that's hurt. Tyler Huff is the one who's hurt. He's he's the much better quarterback. But it's Carson uh, Jones, but close. Close enough. All right. You know what? Chipper Jones it is. So um, he played in that game, right? He had to come in for Huff. He came yeah. in. He won. The offense looked very stagnant. But so did Chattanooga because both of these defenses are actually pretty dang good. So um, – I don't know. We we saw Furman win with a backup quarterback already. Right? Now you have Chattanooga's backup quarterback, who, in my opinion, he had an okay game, not great. Now his two games he's played is, what, against Alabama and then Austin P. So you have a pretty decent FCS team, and then you have Alabama. You're not going to look good in those two games. Um, so he, he did what he was supposed to do, right? But nothing was that impressive. Uh, I'm sure the playbook is still limited. So, yeah, I, I think either way it's going to be a close game. But if Tyler Huff is there, I don't know. I, I think Furman is just overall the much better team, has a better roster. Um, they're more balanced. They have more weapons. But if it's backup quarterback versus backup quarterback, I don't know. I'm still leaning towards Furman just because they won the first game. Now it's it's hard to beat a good team twice. Maybe we're going to have some of that type of scenario. Um, and maybe this backup quarterback, he's just now getting finally adjusted again. You play Alabama at Alabama, and then you play a playoff game where you get a win. Your confidence probably is skyrocketing, even if you lose against that Alabama team. Who cares? Your confidence probably skyrocketing. That has to be a nervous game to go into for your first start. Um, so I don't know. This is this is an interesting one. I wish it was split up, to be honest. I don't want to see the CA matchups. I don't want to see the big sky. I don't want to see the Missouri Valley. I don't want to see the SoCon. Switch them up, man. This would be so much better if we got to see Chattanooga versus Villanova. As soon as we could get Idaho, 9 through right? 16 seeded, we'd be much better off. We'd be much better off. But each each Chattanooga can beat Furman. It was a close game last time. Yeah, it was a three um, point game. Three point game last time they matched up, and again and they both scored under 20. Right? It was like yeah, 17, 17 14. 15, 17, 14, same thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was a really close game, but that was with Chattanooga starting quarterback and Furman's backup, basically. Yeah. So we'll I, we'll see. I've got a feeling Furman's gonna just be all right, but we'll save that for maybe a prediction statement. So, uh, guys, speaking of a conference that really is not all right, you could no. say. No. Uh, Nickel State was shut out at Southern Illinois. Says Jason Plotkin. Is this a reflection of how far the Southland has fallen? If they have fallen, what can the league do to rise back up again? Yeah, Kyler, what is uh, you know a complete a Nichols team that I had a lot of fun watching live down there against Incarnate Word. I had a lot of good confidence in them. I even said on the the live show, "Hey, this could be a good matchup for them," and it did not end up that no. way. As Southern Illinois blasted Nichols and is on to Idaho. What do you think about that Southland um, kind of that appearance? You could put it as Kyler. Oh, I think they are slightly better than the Pioneer and not better than really anyone else. They're on par with this NEC. They're on par with the SWAC. They're on par with the MEAC, maybe even worse than the SWAC and MEAC, to be honest. The Southland is dog crap this year. The only way the Southland is going to get better is if they go to D2. 
I mean, I just don't see. You have McNeese, who is a old school power who has not found their ways, right? You have Nichols that makes Eastern Washington sometimes look rich. Um, you have Incarnate Word who, okay, they had one good season. Then everyone left, and they're trying to piece it back together. Um, Southeastern Louisiana was dog crap. Eastern beat the crap out of them if you actually watch the game. The, the Southland is bad. The Southland is so bad. I think this is just a reflection of how bad the Southland was. I, I don't think there was any top 40 team in the Southland. I really don't think so. <clears throat> the Southland was that bad this year. Incarnate Word was crap. I watched them so many times this year, hoping my opinion was wrong. It wasn't. They had nothing. And that was against really bad defenses and really bad offenses. They're really a bad conference. And this is, I didn't expect a shutout of 35 to zero, but I thought they'd win by 21 points. I was thinking, you know, maybe a 48 to 24 type of game, somewhere around there where Nichols would at least score a few times. Now, maybe it's garbage time, but a 35 to zero. Yeah, this is a bad reflection of how horrible your conference was. It is. It is an awful look to get blasted and shut out by a team where Southern Illinois was, you know, there's six, seven playoff worthy teams in the Missouri Valley, but that's like the fourth best team, you know, a team like an NDSU, you know, annihilated on the field. And that is just a really, really rough look. You know, when you had the powerhouses, the, the one or two teams, your Sam Houston's, your others that would hold this conference up, they really held it up. And we were hoping that incarnate word would kind of take that and run with it. And, you know, it happened for a year or two, and, and this year it just didn't. So, Jamie, is this a, a sign of the future a little bit for the Southland or just maybe a, a bump in the road? No, it, it sure seems like it. You, you, like you said, um, Sam, you said this. The Southland is a much, much, much worse version of what you're seeing at the CAA. The best team left much and whatever's worse. left is trying to pick up the pieces. Jamie left the CAA and everybody else is trying to elevate and pick the pieces. There's still good teams in the CAA. But there's no great teams, like we've been saying all year. CAA also didn't get gutted by another conference. They just lost the GOAT of that conference. But they Mm -hmm. didn't have this weird negotiation with the A-Sun and whack and weird stuff. It looks bad. Yeah, it's 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 just it's just bad. I mean, like you said, like like Kyler just said, the teams they lost that went to the whack, and it's just there's no depth in the conference. I know you're getting Commerce are going to come on. Eventually, they're terrible. Rio Grande is coming eventually. I, I think know. Rio Maybe Grande they're going be, to American. I think Rio I Grande know. will be solid. It's just, it's, I mean, it still takes time. It's just, I mean, Nichols, yeah. all they were was a good Southland team, and that's it. And th- that's not a good. That's not a good thing. Yeah, it uh, <laughs> it ended up being a brutal one, and. Shout out to the Southland commissioner and the leadership. I got to meet them when I was at the Incarnate Word game. Great people. Phenomenal hosts. And at the our, airport? Or? No, they bamboozled no, not you, the Matt. They bamboozled you. They bamboozled me. Um, but, you know, Markham and Zach and all those guys love them. And uh, great people, but the conference needs to find a way to elevate itself. And uh, that could be a difficult task. But speaking of difficulty, gentlemen... Um, Dustin Helton, the Rev, and Kevin Madeall here are kind of got a combo question for us. Dustin, first off, says after the first round results, who do you feel has the most difficult path to Frisco out of the seeded teams? And Kevin says everyone talks about the Missouri Valley Conference and Big Sky, but what non-Big Two team could be this year's incarnate word to make a semis run? 
So let's take it at this here. I'll throw this first one at you, Jamie. Who has the most, the first part of the question, given it from Rev, who has the most difficult run here to uh, Frisco out of the remaining seeded teams, which is all of them? <laughs> who do you uh, got? Anybody but South Dakota State and Montana. I mean, <laughs> really? Uh, obviously, your first one, the easy one is Furman. Obviously, then you look at Villanova because they're going to have to, if they win, they're going to have to go to South Dakota State. So I think it's such so top heavy with the top two seeds right now. And sure, one of them could lose. I don't think South Dakota State will. And if anybody can go into Wagriz and win there, God bless them. Um, I think we might be looking at a lot of chalk here coming up in the next couple of weeks. So uh, just hope for good games and uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm sure there'll be an upset or two along the way but I'm not sure it's going to impact either one of those teams. So pretty much everybody but those two teams. But um, if Tyler Huff is out, that then that'll go Furman. Yeah, and I, I think I'd throw South Dakota in there just because they're going to have to take on a Sac State team that, you know, that last representative from the Big Sky had a big win over UND. But then South Dakota is going to have to take on either Montana State or North Dakota State. And then if they get by that, which they would host the whole way through, they're likely going to the Grizz Stadium. So, I mean, that's by Big Sky, top Big Sky, or North Dakota State rematch, then going to Montana. I mean, that's a brutal uh, walk to try to get all the way to Frisco. And that's a good South Dakota Coyote team as well. So those could be difficult runs for the Rev. And then kind of off of Kevin's question, Kyler, you can answer the first one too, but is any team not in the Big Sky Valley is what he would consider the Big Two, I'm going to assume? Any of those teams have a shot here to kind of make a run, do you feel? So um, the first part of that question, I think Montana State is pretty dang brutal, right? Out of all of the non-seeds you're going to play, no one wants to play North Dakota State, even on a down year, especially if they're, they just got done beating a Pioneer League school by 60. Um, that part's a joke. But the other part is is true. Like No one wants to play North Dakota State. If you can avoid them, you would prefer to avoid them, especially for a non-seeded team. That's not a team you want to play, um, especially if you have the history of Montana State, right? Where every year you get thumped by these guys. So, so that's that's got to be a little bit of a mental block as well. Maybe some redemption. Maybe you're going to be more fired up. But I think there's a couple of guys going, not again, not again, right? I mean, after you just get murdered every single year by him, a lot of that has to be your confidence is gone and it's a not again. So, yeah, let um, me let me rock you through that. Um, 2010, when NDSU started their playoff run, uh, they beat Montana State 42-17, not and they beat them 52-10 in 2018. Not again. They beat them 42-14 in not 2019, again. and they beat them 38-10 in Frisco. Not again. Not so, again. Now this is like again. Houston. Not again. <laughs> yeah, Sam Houston eventually got it. So you know, here you I, go. I yes. mean, they're they're happy it's in Bozeman. I'll just say that they're happy it's in Bozeman. And they're happy that this is probably the worst North Dakota State team we have seen since they got playoff eligible. So, um, but still, that's not a, a team you want to play. I'd rather play Sac State one million times in a row instead of playing North Dakota State one time. Because um, then, guess what? If you win that game, you still got to go on a road to a really tough South Dakota. Now, no one's really believing in them, but it is what it is. South Dakota has arguably the best resume outside of South Dakota State. And they are rightfully deserving of a top three seed. So if you beat North Dakota State, then you got to go to South Dakota. Not going to be an easy game to play. And then you got to go to your rivals in Missoula, 
the toughest atmosphere. And then you got to go play South Dakota State. Yeah, I think they take the cake for the, the, the most ridiculous path. But if they can get to Frisco, holy crap, you can't say they didn't earn it. Um, but, oh, what were you going to say, Jamie? No, go ahead. Finish your thought. Oh, I was just going to say, now, the only the non-Big 2 question, I don't see anyone making a run to, was it the semis or Frisco? It's to Frisco, and the problem is, Kyler, is that you have this South Dakota, Sac State, Montana State, North Dakota State corner, and then below them, so so South Dakota State's going to go from one side. Sorry, guys. Welcome to reality. And yeah. then on the other side, if Furman, Chattanooga, or Delaware... That side, able, of the, that side of the bracket is so much more difficult it's than the other. It's just stacked. It's just... So, if, so you have to bank off of Furman, Chattanooga, or Delaware getting past Montana. That's number one. And then they're guaranteed to play either South Dakota, Sac State, Montana State, or North Dakota State. Just play the odds game. It just does not look good. No, especially when you have, on that side of the bracket, you have Furman, who is, we don't know if they're healthy or not. Then you have Delaware, who's definitely not healthy. It has to make a cross-country trip. Now, again, I'm rooting for Furman and Delaware over anyone else on this bracket. Who cares about the other teams? I hate them all. But it's not looking pretty. And if I'm a betting man, it would be hard for me to bet some team outside of the big sky in Missouri Valley from both these sides of the bracket is going to climb their way to the top and make it a Frisco. I, I just do not see. It'd be, it'd be great if one of them can make a run to the semifinals, let alone Frisco. I'd be clapping and applauding them if any one of them can get to actually the semifinals. Mm. I yeah I, I think that I was gonna that's exactly the point I was gonna make is I could potentially see Albany making a run to the semifinal but that's really it out of everybody else that's yeah. not Big Sky or Missouri Valley just and because the way things match up bracket yeah that quadrant there I mean we'll see uh, I just I don't see it happening the, those two conferences are just so strong and they've showed it, it people want to talk about oh well the, you don't have to go here and play you don't have to do this all you have to do is look at the Look at the uh, rankings in all of the different categories, offense, defense, You know, break them down. It's littered with those teams for that reason. They are that good. It's not because they play the cream puffs and because people put them on a pedestal. They're that damn good. And yeah. they're going to show it year after year after year, and they're going to show it again this year. My shitty team would have won the Pioneer, NEC, Southland, and OVC Big South. I'm sorry. They would have. And they, sh- they were shitty in the Big Sky. They would have been shitty in the Missouri Valley. And uh, we'll see, if, you, you know, you mentioned bad teams, good teams, whatever teams. They were all put in by the same exact people. That would be the playoff committee. And Jason Plotkin takes the turn here for us, guys, uh, in our second to last big seven question here. Should the playoff selection committee feel vindicated by any first round results? This is a great question. First thing from Sam Herter's tweet. Shout out, Sam Herter. Last four in. From Sam, according to Sam Herter from the committee, Mercer, Chattanooga, Sac State, Youngstown State, all victorious in this last round. Now that doesn't mean that the teams put in front of them weren't the right calls, but boy, this this could be interesting if we see a lot of upsets with the seeds. But right now, me personally, it feels like the committee absolutely nailed it because you're going to have blowouts and things are going to happen. But let's not pretend that Richmond. And NC Central at some point wasn't at least a game. And let's not, you know, pretend that some of these games were cl- Chattanooga, Austin P wasn't a good solid matchup. 
I think the playoff committee did a really good job. I'm about to get crapped on for my opinion. I'm just proud of NC Central, you know, because I got that one right. Uh, but, you know, Kyler's looking a little too smirked here, so I'm going to start with Jamie <laughs> to ease into this response. <laughs> and then we'll give mean. it to the bowling man here. Well, here's, here's the thing. Last week during our live show, I said they got 23 out of 24 teams right, and they got Chattanooga wrong. There is still nothing you can tell me as to why Chattanooga got in that bracket of Western Carolina, and I don't want to hear because Cole Gonzalez was hurt and wasn't going to play. So what? Should not matter. Chattanooga should not have been in the bracket. They still shouldn't be in the bracket, but congratulations to Chattanooga for taking advantage of the opportunity that was given. It is not their fault they got put in the bracket. All they did was go out and play football. They, it doesn't vindicate the committee. They still got it wrong. Chattanooga just went in and played a, a good football game against a decent team, and they beat them. They held Mike DeLello, whose name you might hear in a little while, to like 120 yards passing. Like, like you know, they, they earned the win. Congratulations to them. They should not apologize to a damn soul. And they have a solid chance to go to the quarterfinals, but that doesn't mean they should have been in the bracket. Interesting, but 23 out of 24, that's a pretty good hit because what are the odds that, you know, you get it that good to where people are like, damn, we got these teams. Seeding was interesting kind of in those last final three. Kyler, how do you feel about this bracket? I'm feeling good about it. Oh, I feel fine about the bracket, but I mean, again, look at who they played. Cool, you beat Duquesne. Who wouldn't? Austin P played no one all year. They lost to the only good top 40 teams they played. They got blown out by Southern Illinois, and they got blown out by Tennessee. Other than that, the UAC was not good. They're like the CA, but a little bit far, a little bit further removed. Now, they don't, I don't think, have as much as the worst teams as, as the CA does because the conference is so big. But there is not one good team in all of the UAC. I, I do firmly believe that. So you played Duquesne. You played NC Central. You played Austin P. You 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 beat the teams you're supposed to beat. I mean, you could probably throw another 10 teams out there who would have beat all those teams. I really do believe that. So, yeah, the committee, I guess, should feel vindicated. I agree with what Jamie said. Do you think Western Carolina beats Austin P? I do. I think there's a lot of teams that beat Austin P. I don't care if they have nine wins. They didn't play anyone. So, sorry, guys. I'm, I'm, I'm the Debbie Downer this season. But the proof is in the pudding. You want Southern you know Illinois blows you out, and that's the only good FCS team you play all year. Maybe you weren't as good as your nine and three record. Because I've got to bring them up every week. What you what people? If you step back and think about it, Austin P was a, a made field goal away from from Southern Utah beating them, and yeah. Southern Utah being the team in this bracket. And Coach Fitzgerald will tell you they were not a playoff team this year. Southern Southern Utah sucks. I'm sorry, Fitzgerald. You're building something that is. Awesome, and eventually you're going to be good. But Southern Utah sucks. And 100%, they were almost the UAC champion, right? That is not a good look. Southern Utah blows. They would have been an 8th place, ninth place, 10th place team in the Missouri Valley and Big Sky. They just would have. So, cool. You, you beat the teams you're supposed to beat. Regionalization is awesome, right? It really proves a point when you get to play some bum. I mean, I, I love it. You get to play a bum and you, you get a harp on your chest going, see, we earned our spot. No, you didn't. You didn't play anyone. You still did in the first round. Until yeah. we start seeding 1 through 24, where South Dakota State gets the worst teams or vice versa, right? It doesn't do anything. You played bums. 
I love that Kyler missed one week and he's like, I got to get this out. He's like, I got to, I'm coming from the top rope. I want to be hated. WWE style. He's coming down. He just, I love it. Tweet me at Kyler EPH. Tell me I suck. I do uh, not care. So does your team. Probably so does my wrong. team. So <laughs> does my team. We all suck. You're not that guy, pal. You're not that guy. Oh, it's too good. So um, I'll spit out my margarita. Oh, I'm going to be enjoying one of those with you in Frisco soon. Uh, Dylan Craver, guys, is going to end the Big Seven. Great question here because he says, outside of NDSU versus Cats, what is your favorite second-round game? Again, I think a lot of people are pumped about that. I'm going to take the cop-out answer here and kind of do a quick rundown. I think this is one of the best second rounds we're about to experience for a variety of different reasons. Who isn't intrigued to see what a number three seeded South Dakota team does at home against a Sac State team? Like, I don't think anyone's got like a firm belief that that game's going to be going one way or the other. Montana State NDSU, of course, is super intriguing. Um, Youngstown coming in a little hot. I got more faith in Nova, but at the end of the day, I don't think anyone's looking at the eight seed being like, that's safe from Missouri Valley, Youngstown State. SDSU is going to be an absolute slaughter. But then you go down to Furman Chattanooga. Of course, that was a three-point game. It's a rematch. That'll be fun to watch. Idaho Southern Illinois, super intriguing. And Albany Richmond, a CA rematch. I don't think Delaware is going to be have a good time there with so those the Grizz, are two but... blue bloods. Those are the two like biggest brands yeah. on each side of the nation. Great point. To FCS football. That's Great an point. awesome matchup. That's a blue blood thing. So I think there's a ton of them. So making it more difficult for you guys. Uh, Jamie, which one are you most excited about? Me personally, outside of my bias for NDSU, I am very intrigued by Idaho, Southern Illinois. But Jamie, what do you got? Yeah, I mean, that's going to be a great game. I'm intrigued by that one. I'm going to go with Villanova, Youngstown State, because I want to see what Villanova is actually made of. Are they made of something that, that can beat the, what, fifth, sixth place Missouri Valley team? I want to see how do, does the automatic bid from the CAA stand up? I don't know. I'm going to find out. I think Villanova's got an excellent defense. I think they're going to put a lot of pressure on Youngstown. But they've got an excellent defense against the CAA teams, which are pretty good teams, like Kyler said. But there's nobody great. So let's see if Villanova can go be great this weekend. That's I'm really excited to see that matchup. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, i just uh, intrigued. Like you said, all the games are going to be pretty good. I feel bad for Mercer. They're cannon fodder. But, they, hey, they got to win in their first playoff game. So congratulations to them. Uh, we'll see how long they can hang into that game. That defense is better than you think, but it ain't good enough. Yeah, uh, you, you think for you're bouncing off where I was going, Jamie. Yeah, shout out to Mercer. Not that we're ignoring you. We just sadly believe that everyone's season's probably ending to South Dakota State. Uh, but awesome on your program to get to the playoffs and then get that dub as well. So very cool, Kyler. Which one intrigues you the most? What are you excited to watch this weekend? Well, you stole my two. So um. <laughs> So screw y'all. Oh, um, you could break down. You could no, break down no, Idaho. No, screw you. You could break it down. No, nope. I didn't break it I hate, down. I hate he wants to see Richmond Albany because he doesn't have flow. Richmond. <laughs> They're, those playoff games wouldn't be on flow, but I love it. They should. Screw it. Um, I actually think that South Dakota versus Sacramento State game is actually pretty intriguing. Why? Because Sacramento State sucks. Um, They're not the fourth best team in the big sky. They're arguably probably not even the fifth best team in the big sky. Um, they avoided Weber. They avoid, I mean, they probably, I mean, they did lose to UC Davis. So cool. You beat Stanford. You didn't beat anyone else. 
at all throughout the year. Sacramento State's not good, but then you beat North Dakota, which people are saying is the sixth best team in the Missouri Valley. Well, if you look at who they beat, that's a weird way of looking at it because they beat teams like North Dakota State, where Sac State didn't beat anyone in the big sky. So if Sac State can come into town and beat South Dakota, which arguably does have a top two resume in terms of teams that they've beat. Now, Montana was a rightfully deserved two seed, right? But South Dakota, as a resume standpoint, hard to disagree that they have a top two, top three resume, worst case scenario. So you have, you know, the second best Valley team by far, at least on paper and who they played against arguably maybe a five or six big sky team who just took down North Dakota. Um, not even that difficult, to, in, in my opinion. So I don't know. It'd be interesting to see what happens there. I do really like the Southern Illinois-Idaho game the most. Um, and it's because I think the Saluki we'll, – we'll talk about that later. But, um, yeah, there's some good games. This is, this is probably the best second round year that I think we've seen in a while to where I'm looking at all of these seeds outside of South Dakota State and going, each one of these seeds can lose. Yeah. Like every single one of these seeds can lose. I wouldn't be shocked to see Sac State beat South Dakota. Now, I also wouldn't be shocked to see South Dakota murder a not, in my opinion, a top four Big Sky team. Again, they weren't. UC Davis is better than them. Weaver State probably better. Shoot, Sac State and Eastern probably would have went toe-to-toe, just like NAU. They're all not very good. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of second-round matchups to where if you're a betting man, you may just want to avoid betting this year. Or at least in all the other years, you're looking at the seeds going, this is easy, this is easy. Outside of that South Dakota State game, there's not one seed, maybe Montana, especially if Delaware's quarterback's injured. But I don't know, even that, because because I still have this weird taste in my mouth of watching Montana the first five weeks. Yes, they figured it out since then. Yes, they've looked so dominant since then. But do they linger? <laughs> do they come back? Does the team that struggled versus Butler come back? You never know. All it takes is one bad game in the postseason to really dictate your whole faith. So I don't know. All of these seeds, they're all going to be fun. We, every single one should be watchable outside of South Dakota State and Mercer. That's going to be a blowout. Yep, that one will be a slaughter. The rest should be intriguing. Um, and since you brought it up, Kyler, you know, you might want to avoid... transition artist of all time. Who's Drake yeah, the Rapper? Let's go Kyler Neal. <laughs> avoid betting on the games this weekend because they could be up in the air. But don't but avoid... Bet, use Versus Sports Simulator app. Yeah! Shameless plug. <laughs> and you should always do taco bets. Taco King, coming to you from bright and sunny Fargo, North Dakota. It's time for a taco bet. It's time for you losers to pay up. Oh, the Taco King leads us into this one. Okay, it's a Matt Frazy original here, set up by a great question here, guys. Dustin Perman says, Big Sky versus Valley, with a seven-point difference in the SAC versus UND game. Is there parity or glimpse of a stronger conference? So Perman there throwing his question out about the Big Sky, the Valley, um, maybe some comparables between the two. So I built this one here for our taco bet. Five Valley teams remain and four Big Sky teams remain. Which conference has a better overall point differential in round two? 
point differential. And the crazy fact is that if you take away what UND gave up to um, to Sacramento, that's also State, the only good team they played. Don't pull yeah, that one sixty something to ten. They literally they played play. the three worst conferences known to man. <laughs> Shut up. I'm just saying it's it. You know, I feel. I'm just saying that it it stinks for UND. I feel bad that they were the only one who had to play a top eighty team in the FCS. Yeah. Yeah. I so I bad. personally, my heart hurts for that scenario. What <laughs> a dick. It hurts. <laughs> All right, so which conference has a better overall point differential in round two? Just for some setup here, South Dakota State, of course, playing Mercer. Montana playing Delaware. Um, Idaho and Southern Illinois, that's a straight-up matchup there between the two conferences, as is Montana State versus North Dakota State, as is South Dakota versus Sac State. So you probably have two teams annihilating, um, you know, with some blowouts, and then you've got three matchups. So point differential... There's got to be a little bit of prediction, in, you know, silently in the background on who's going to win these games. What do you think, Jamie? Who has the better point differential in round two between the Valley and the Big Sky? Well, when you get automatically plus 40 to 48 with SDSU, I'm going to go with them. That way I don't have to predict any other Take games. Take them out. Just... Take them out. Just the four no, Valley teams are no. for Big Sky. Let's no, make it's... It real. It matters because if, well, you have to have a lot of faith in Delaware, but I don't have a lot of faith that Delaware is going to perform well in Montana. So over Mercer, I'm actually it Valley. I'm actually going to go opposite. I'm actually going to take uh, the Big Sky. I think South Dakota State has one of those classic NDSU 38 to 10 wins, and everyone goes what? But like, I don't know. I just I don't think they're going to run. They're going to absolutely dominate. And then I got I got some faith in Idaho, Montana State, Sac State. I'm going to go with the Big Sky. I'm taking the Sky here. What do you got there, Kyler? Well, as someone who has never lost a Taco Bet in his life, um, <laughs> that is this guy, Kyler Neal. Um, and someone who is a big sky bias guy for sure, 100%. You've never, you've never seen me talk negative about the big sky. And the fact that the Missouri Valley played literally the three weakest conferences. And then the only top half conference they played, they got murked. Um, I'm going to go with the Missouri Valley. I, oh. I think they're better than the Big Sky, 100%. I, I think the Missouri Valley is better than the Big Sky. I think you're going to see some upsets. We're going to pick our picks soon. But, um, yeah, the Missouri Valley, I've said it since preseason. They're the best conference for sure. Big Sky's taking a, a step backwards. Nothing I have seen this year makes me confident in the Big Sky this week. Oh, man. Well, it wouldn't be a taco bet if, you, if we weren't disagreeing and one of us, mostly Matt, didn't say something different from what the common sense should say. Uh, but let's see if there's any common sense in our quick hits this week. Just because your question is answered quickly doesn't mean we don't care. These are the quick hit questions of the week. All righty. A little bit of elevator music. Some fun quick hit questions. I'm very excited about these. I think they really lined up well. And we're going to start with the revs, guys. Dustin Helton. What is the worst Christmas song ever, and why is it I Want a Hippopotamus for Christmas? I don't even stand the logistics of that song. I don't understand. I, yeah, I am actually 1,000% with Rev. I have two Christmas albums that I bought back in the day. Woo! Mac balloons. Um, on my Apple Music to this day, and literally it'll go from rip-roaring metal 
screaming like crazy to I saw mommy kissing Santa in like July. So from a guy who loves his Christmas tunes and believes setting up Christmas before Thanksgiving, I'm with you, Rev. I think that hippo song is absolutely terrible. And I'll take chipmunks singing over it any day of the week. Any day of the week. Uh, this one, we're, we're all answering this one because it's a personal question. Kyler, what do you got? I've never even heard this hippo song. I just don't understand it. What is oh, this it's song? awful. It's Play it terrible. Right um, no, the, the song I hate the most is... Um, I don't even know what song it is. All I know is that Cabello girl says, Quit must. And I don't like it. <laughs> she um, she sings it in cursive and she's got a lisp on it. And I don't know. But if I hear that song, I am turning off life. So um, that's the worst song. And I don't even know what song it is. All I know is quiz mice. That's all I know. He hates the lisp at the end. Jamie, Christmas yeah. song? Yeah, yeah Rev's pretty much right. Yeah, that was kind of annoying. Um, on the opposite side, the best song is definitely um, Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer by DMX, like I said oh. last year. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Some DMX Rudolph. Getting the Christmas season. We're on our way. Uh, Brandon Anderson guys says, since this comes up at least once a year, any advice for people from the Southern half of the country coming to Northern games, whether it's at the game or just existing where the air hurts your face? Really good question here, Brandon. Uh, it's very simple. Make friends, buddy. Like you'll have a great time and tailgates are going to welcome you in. A heated tent goes a long, long ways. So there's whiskey. Yeah. Some warm whiskey in the belly. And then. Don't be afraid to knock on a, a, you know, I can't imagine Grizz fans aren't like NDSU and other fans where if they're seeing somebody out in the cold, I would imagine they'd let them in. But I guess Kyler's saying no. So they're going to point and laugh. Okay. Well, that, that's Delaware. So I don't have to worry about that. Yeah, but if you are traveling up to a cold area from somewhere else, um, embrace the home team's tailgate. And I guarantee you'll end up somewhere warm. Guarantee it. Uh, after the beatdown Youngstown State put on Duquesne, should Nova be worried? Evan Wilson wants to know. What do you think, Jamie? Should there be some worry there for Nova? I don't care what they did to Duquesne. They suck. <laughs> Who cares? Should Nova Kyle be worried? Alert. I mean, they should be worried because that's a good football team they're playing. And hell, Youngstown State should be worried because they're playing a good football team too. It has nothing to do with Duquesne. Had nothing to do with Drake. Had nothing to do with whoever else sucked that people played. Gardner Webb or whoever. This is Let's the, just move the, on to, from the trash of the first round of some of those games to what we've got coming up, which is going to be awesome. Guys, we don't even have 24 good teams. So just think about bowl season when there's 80 of them. <laughs> yeah, a little stab there for our Gamecock and Duke fans who still stick around with us, which is good. The main one here we, we care about. <laughs> Jamie, uh, you deserve a bowl. There's a difference. You deserve one. So does JSU. Very cool. Is the MEAC... Florida AMs to lose. Joshua Hoffman wants to know. Uh, ooh, I'm not going to answer it then. Jamie, go ahead. Go ahead, Jamie. Hey, Kyler. What uh, conference does FAMU play in? Uh, not the MEAC, sir. Oh, okay. Ah, not the MEAC. Yeah, so, so I, yeah, no, it's, it's oh, definitely Howard's guys, to lose. Oh, I. Uh, you I typed it how it was asked. I typed it how it was asked. I'm glad you asked me, Jamie. At least two-thirds of our podcast knows what conference teams are in. Josh over here thinking Duquesne in the NAC is great. No, I left uh, I left. We beat Drake. We beat a Pioneer League team. They're the greatest team of all time. Shut up. 
Joshua, Joshua, I love you, man, but they're in the swag, and I left that sucker in on purpose. There's no way to prove it. There's no way to prove it, except for the fact that I've loved Florida A&M's jersey colors. I've defended them against Lawrence, you have. and I, I've defended the Rattlers this year. So I looked at that question, and I said, I'm going to leave it, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if anybody catches it. Come oh, on. Shit. Uh, well, shout out SWAC championship game this week. SWAC, Southwest Illinois Southern Conference. SWAC. Florida AM against Prairie View. I think Florida AM will easily win that game, and I do believe they win the Celebration Bowl. When you're kind of answering this question. When you're asking an NDSU fan, Missouri Valley fan, an actual FCS question, they have no clue what they're talking about. So uh, thank you for asking this question. You just <laughs> see the dark cloud. That, that reminded me of Chandler Bing when he's looking through the mirror. On, um, <laughs> yeah. with the rain coming down. Too good. Oh man, yeah. So uh, the SWAC, Florida A and M, here they come. Probably Celebration Bowl win. <laughs> Kyler, the Rev wants to know a specific question for you: Is the UAC trash? Yeah, hundred percent. They're trash. Now, what I will say, Rev, hundred percent. They're trash. They're, there's not one good team out of there. But they're not the type of trash where. Let's say you cook a whole bunch of meat and then you throw it in your garbage can in the kitchen. You're like, oh, I got to, or salmon. Oh, I got to throw this outside real fast because it's going to make my whole house stink. No, they're the tr type of trash where you can leave in the garbage can an extra day and go, eh, we can take it out tomorrow. The whole house isn't going to stink. Yes, no one wants to watch this. No one wants to participate in it. Yeah, there's nothing good about trash and they're 100% trash. But they're at least the type of trash where you can take out in the morning and not have to worry about plugging in a whole bunch of incense and um, <laughs> what are those wax candles? Not not candles, but um, you plug them in and then they make the whole house smell good. The, the tartlet sort of. Yeah, Febreze Whatever things. Whatever those are. My wife has tons of them. So I wouldn't have to plug those in. But yeah, the UAC is absolute butthole type of trash. That is the most uh, in-depth trash discussion that we've ever had since uh, the Waste Management Conference of 2019. A real classic. Margaritas, baby. Yeah, they that was the best. impressive. Boy, auto bids and conferences getting slayed here today on the FCS Fans Nation podcast. Uh, right here, guys, just how good is the University of Fighting Chris Hammonds? Where are you at, Chris? Let's trade some Vandal and Saluki gear, says Jeremiah Rash. Jeremiah, go. you're going to figure out how good they are in the prediction segment, but Chris just hit you up uh, via DMs, I believe, and sounds like you guys, if you're attending the games together, easily should be able to make that swap. Two of the greatest humans on earth, at least Jeremiah Rash. Yeah, uh, Chris sucks. Yep. He's, he's he's like the UAC. He's trash, but you don't have to take him out the first night. You can wait till the morning. Because at night, you're staying up till 2 or 3 a.m. if he's with you in Frisco. I hope he's not coming this year. <laughs> I'm not staying up. I have to go to I'm sleep. Home. I'm going to go cuddle with Jamie. I don't care. Well, nowhere near ear. Uh, yeah, too good. Plugs, um, guys, here, which of the remaining head coaches in the playoffs do you feel will be coaching somewhere else next year? Jason Plotkin wants to know. Jamie, I'm tossing this one to you, my man. And uh, just doing a quick rundown, I guess, of the FBS at least. Openings for now in 2024 Boise State, Houston, Indiana, Mississippi State just announced, uh, New Mexico, Oregon State, San Diego State, Syracuse, and I think Texas AM just hired the Duke guy. That Boise State one, though, maybe kind of intriguing. Any coaches in the playoffs going to get poached? Yeah, either uh, potentially vegan or Eck. And yeah, the Duke opening makes me really nervous. Ooh, that one. Yeah. Oh, the Duke opening. Well, 
that sounds more of like a Mike Houston style of gig, you know, coming from <laughs> ECU. Um, Zachary Carlton, one of the greatest humans on earth. After getting demolished by SIU, Nichols football was stranded in the airport for more than 12 hours. I don't really want to discuss that because it's all over Twitter and Facebook and everything else. You guys can see everyone's opinions on it. Um, but what's your worst travel experience, says Zachary, on this one? This is interesting. On the civilian sector, Iceland. Going to Iceland, my wife and I had to sleep in the airport. It's like 12-hour delay. So, Kyler, you're a traveler. What do you got? I got two. Unfortunately, um, I think both of them were business expenditures. So that that sucks. One of them was I was in Albuquerque where I used to have a lot of you know work trips. And it was during the balloon fest. I forgot what that that thing's called, but it's where they launch tons of you know hot air balloons. So it's the only busy weekend in Albuquerque history every single year. And my flight had a mechanical issue, was not taken off. All the hotels were like 350 bucks. Even like the Motel 6 was really high up there. So I went, I guess my work's not paying for this because they weren't, because screw them. So um, yeah, I stayed in the Albuquerque airport all night. Ooh. The second one was Phoenix, Arizona. And it was because we were already out on the tarmac. And all of a sudden, the plane had a mechanical issue where we were parked in 118 degree weather with no good airflow on that thing for eight hours oh. so um you couldn't leave the plane because we were out in the middle we were not by one of the terminals or gates so there was no air coming out of that it was 118 120 outside it was the middle of the summer so yeah those were the two worst i've had um i feel very bad for the lady next to me because i did not smell great i assume sweating in that <laughs> you know little chamber of an airplane with no airflow Oh, brutal. Jamie, yeah. uh, worst travel experience. And then stick around, folks. Jamie's going to have a little bit of reveal right after he tells us about his travel nightmares. Um, earlier this year, I was going to Atlanta and we had a delay. And they said something. They wanted to look at the tire. That we had a delay, delay, delay. And I had tickets to the NASCAR race that started at 7 o'clock. And Aww. I was going to be getting there, you know, plenty of time. Delay, delay, delay. Finally, they say, oh, wait, weather's come in. I think the tire's okay. So finally, we took off when we got there. So it wasn't too bad. The other one was coming back from a hockey game in D.C., coming down 95. And if you've ever driven that corridor, you know it sucks anyway. Well, there was some sort of vehicle fire or fire somewhere that enveloped the entire 95 corridor. And I was sitting on 95 for three hours just parked. So that sucked. And I was. I didn't know car. we were talking about car ones. Yeah, that's well. I, I I talked about a car one because it pissed me off. It was like I don't know seven years ago. I still remember it. It was annoying. I think the Caps probably lost because that's what they do when I go to the game, just like the other day. So that one really sucked. Uh, finally got home like well after dark. I turned the car off so I didn't run out of gas. So that one was pretty awful. Well, just because you mentioned a car, I want to waste two minutes of your guys' time. Go for it. And had a few margaritas, so this is better. You'll like it. So there's a, there's a mountain pass called Blewett Pass in Washington. Not a lot of people go through it, right? It's not like Snoqualmie Pass where they got five lanes and a lot of plows. Well, we were driving back from Odessa, Washington for Christmas, going back home to Seattle, Washington. And um, during, and we, for some reason, my dad wanted to go through Blewett Pass. Who, who knows why? It was completely out of the way. It made no sense, but he wanted to go through it. I don't know. My sister had to take a pee and we were, you know, really young. She had to take a pee in the middle of a snowstorm blizzard on Blewett Pass. She's like, I'm going to pee the car. 
Um, so of course my dad being the nice guy he is, he pulled over to let my sister pee in the snow. Well, he wanted the car to keep running. So he left the key in the ignition and the oh, car locked itself. No way. So it's mm. not like Snoqualmie where you have tons of cars coming. Also, there's a blizzard. We were trapped outside in the blizzard with no way into our vehicle. No. For like three and a half hours. No and there was no cell phones back then, especially not in blue at pass. So we were out in the middle of a snowstorm for three and a half hours. And I was a young kid just yelling at my sister um, who's older than me. I was like, you piece of crap. Why did you have to pee? Just pee your pants like a normal adult. You know, that type of thing. Um, that yeah, is so that bonkers. was Yeah, that sucked. Luckily, That's someone worse than most of them. Luckily, someone pulled over. They, you know, helped us break into our car. But then we were stuck in the snow because of the blizzard. So, yeah, it was a whole fun ordeal. But I'm alive. It's fun. Yeah, thankfully you are. That is a that is bonkers. Okay, that's worthy of the uh, the non train ex or the uh, non plane experience. I figured Ooh, I've no. had a lot of airplane horrible stories, but that one. Once Jamie mentioned cars, I just figured I'd have to share. That is a uh, that is too good, my man. Um, well, let's give Jamie the floor back here. And, uh, I don't know how this works. I think it, when Jamie starts talking, he's going to pop big, but Jamie, your time to reveal your bracket, not your bracket. You're going to reveal your ballot, uh, for some of our award winners for the FCS. This is a exclusive. You're going to on the FCS fans nation podcast. Jamie, it's all yours, my man. All right. Well, this is really going to just really go badly against the people uh, of Montana that called me. A, such a biased guy. This, they're real, this is really going to go against their thoughts. So I'm going to start with the Eddie Robinson Award, which is for the coach of the year. So for each of the four awards, top five. So I'm going to give you my top five for all four awards. Start with the Eddie Robinson Award. My number one first place coach of the year vote went to Bobby Howe, Montana. Wow. Why? Bobby. Because of the turnaround. Bobby took that team that was not doing very good, saw where he needed to make changes, he made the changes and led that team at that point to a two seed. Yeah. That's what you expect from a coach of the year. And, yeah. you know, Bobby did a great job. He, he's one of the guys that, you know, all trash because he's Bobby and he's got that smirk. But I, and I know the players love him. So good for him. Uh, so Bobby deserves that slot. Number two, I went Greg Gattuso of Albany. Quietly just building a nice program there. Uh, Reese Popperberg got a couple of really good defensive players. He recruited Jared Verse, who transferred to Florida State, who's going to be a top five pick. So Greg Gattuso uh, taking Albany to their first seed. So good for him. He's the second place. Number three, Bob Nielsen of South Dakota did a great job. Um, outside of South Dakota State, had as good a resume of anybody else in the in the country. Uh, Bob uh, good, Bob's going to get a lot of love based off of uh, other voters I've talked to. So that, that's going to be. Uh, Way up there. Number four, I went Scotty Walden of Austin P. Just love the guy's energy. Uh, take that team from what he had to adore when he took that team over a couple years ago uh, to where he took this team this year to a, a nine and three record. Uh, won the conference, almost got a seed. At number five, I went John Troxel of Lafayette, who did a great job. Uh, you know, we talk about how, you know, the Patriot League might not be that good, but Lafayette was a good football team for a Patriot League team. Had a solid defense, had some good offense. Uh, Trox did a great job, so I, I felt like he deserved a vote there. That, to me, was the hardest one to vote for, just because there were so many other names. I mean, I can rattle up. Mark Ferrante was on this ballot. Uh, Clay Hendricks of Furman, Trey Lamb, Gardner-Webb, Trey Oliver, Danny Rocker, Jimmy Rogers. I left off Jimmy Rogers. 
continued to do it. He did exactly what he was supposed to do. Hope he gets some votes. Willie Simmons, Florida A&M. On and on and on. So, uh, like I said, I'm going to move on to the Jerry Rice Award. And like I said earlier, there's a fan base that's going to have to eat some words. Number one, Eli Gilman, Montana, running back. As soon as he got inserted, that's where the team took off between him and Clifton McDowell. Um, 152 carries, 857 yards with 10 touchdowns. Uh, best freshman in the country. Followed number two, I've got MJ Flowers of Eastern Illinois, another running back. Uh, did a good job. That was an eight and three team. He was the leader of that offense there. Uh, did a solid job. Number three, I've got a wide receiver, Bo Sparks out of Utah Tech. Uh, not many people saw or heard of Bo, but he solidly had 74 catches for 723 and seven touchdowns. Real good year for a freshman. Uh, number four, this is a little off the board, but I went with the left tackle for Montana State, Connor Moore. As a true freshman, if you can come in there and be the left tackle, which is the most important player on the offensive line for a team that averaged 40 points a game and almost 300 yards rushing, uh, that deserves a vote for me. So he gets a fourth place vote there. Hopefully he'll get another couple of votes, get some recognition. That's a solid, solid player. Going to be there for, for three or four years as long as he doesn't transfer. And then a linebacker, Illinois State, just keeps producing linebackers. Ty Kneecamp had 74 tackles, nine tackles for loss, seven QB hits, a sack and a half, pass breakups from a linebacker. A phenomenal year there for that freshman. So that is the Jerry Rice Award. It's going to go. This, to me, the number one slot here for the Buck Buchanan Award was the easiest award for me to select. Terrell Allen of Tennessee State. Listen to these numbers, guys. 65 tackles, 28 tackles for loss, which lost 149 yards. Jeepers. Oh, 14 oh and a half sacks. He forced you five fumbles. You may not you may not get North Dakota. He just said Jeepers. I've, oh boy. That that's impressive. That, that's that this guy should win the award going away. I know. Zachary End of the list now. Just dumping for this guy. Uh, number well, we gotta add. We had to vote for five. <laughs> uh, number two, I went with uh, PJ Jules of Illinois State. Or Illinois State, Southern Illinois. Holy cow! I'm gonna get murdered for that one. PJ no, Jules, Southern Illinois. Care. Senior DB. I, I'm sorry, Jeremiah. Had 100 tackles and 12 tackles for loss from the defensive back position. Nice. That's that's just nuts. That's, that's solid. Uh, so that's my number two. Uh, number three. Talking about Al Albany earlier, got Anton Yunkai. Uh, that's how I'm going to say it, Yunkai, uh, J-U-N-C-A-J. Somebody tell me if I'm right or wrong. Who knows? 49 tackles, 18 and a half tackles for lost 13 sacks to lead that offensive line. There was another uh, player on Albany who could have made this list here too that uh, I wound up um, passing on, unfortunately. Uh, Albany's got a solid defense. Dylan Kelly was that, that man's name. Number four, Daylon Dotson of UT Martin. Get another 19 and a half TFL, seven sacks. If you don't notice, I'd like the guys to get in the backfield, not just the guys that make a lot of tackles. Uh, and then at number five, who did I put at number five? Billy Schaefer of Lafayette. So you get a lot of uh, duplicates here throughout, but uh, he had 20 and a half tackles lost and 10 sacks for the Patriot League champion, forced four fumbles. So that's a solid year. Now for the big one. I always have a rule for myself that I have to vote for at least one running back or wide receiver, and I couldn't do it this year. I'm mad at Jamie. myself, but I voted for five quarterbacks. Yeah. Start at, start at number five and go. Start up. at number five? Yeah. Make this one. All right. Make this one a little fun, you know? Give you Number a, five, 
Davius Richard, quarterback, North Carolina Central. Really uh, wanted him in the ballot. Really solid player. Uh, did it with his arms and his legs. Uh, got his team to the playoffs. Uh, unfortunately, because of a bad loss to Howard, he might have been a little bit higher up. Number four, CJ Montez of Fordham. Passed for 3,000 yards, 26 touchdowns, one interception. And then added three touchdowns rushing. Felt like CJ deserved a vote. Number three, Mike DeLello of Austin P had a great year. Did not have a good playoff game. Votes were due before the playoffs. Uh, but 67, almost 68% completion, 3,000 yards, 27 touchdowns, and five TDs on the on the ground. He did have 10 interceptions, which pushed him down the list a little bit. Number two, Max Brosmer, quarterback in New Hampshire who just hit the portal. Three thousand four hundred sixty-four yards. 29 touchdowns, five interceptions. What a ratio. Five more touchdowns on the ground. So we've counted for 34 touchdowns. Uh, unfortunately, he is going to be moving on uh, probably to the FBS level. Uh, good for him. At number one, either one of y'all want to take a guess? Kyler or David Neal? Uh, I'm gonna, I'll, let you, I'll, let you, I'll let you have it, Jamie. Mark Gronowski. Number one, it is Mark Gronowski, South Dakota State Not quarterback. that guy. Dang. He might not be that guy, but this year he was that guy, 68.5%. Now, he threw for 2,300 yards, 3,359, so a little lower on the passing yards, 23 touchdowns, three interceptions, 184 passer efficiency. That's a backup EWU quarterback. Yeah, it's seven touchdowns on the ground, and one of the things I always look for in this is what do you do when your back's against the wall, and that play, that series early in the season against Montana State where he drove that team down the field after Montana State took the lead, just sticks in your mind. It stuck in my mind. To me, Mark Ronowski is the best player in the FCS this year. He Montana got State had a chance to win it. They did. Because he took them down the field and put them ahead. That's why Montana State had to have a chance to because win. Because he almost made them lose because of how shitty he was playing the first half. Nah, Mark don't Come play on. defense. Come That's okay. On. Not that nope. guy. That's Make okay. me He's viral, bastards. <laughs> He's that guy this year, uh, you know, leading that team to an unbeaten record. I, I know the passing yardage wasn't what the other guys were, but 30 touchdowns, only three interceptions, 184 efficiency. I I, I know, Kyle, you've had some thoughts about it, but I just, as I looked at I didn't see anybody who played better this year than Mark Ronowski. So that's my That is the ballot. I'll put it out on Twitter and Facebook, and people will light it up, and that's fine. I don't think anyone's going to light it up. I think that is a very solid ballot. The only thing yeah, that's Jamie. wrong is your number one should have been the SDSU's O line as a whole. <laughs> oh come on, get you get the Eastern stick, gets the no. Eastern stick treatment. The reality is, is that Jamie is the hardest working stats voter out there. Shout out to you, Jamie. Most people don't have that one through five prepped as well as you did research. No. So um, the FCS needs to appreciate great guys like yourself, and undoubtedly just top tier in terms of the care and passion you can disagree with them but you cannot disagree that most this guy people who are research. voting can't even name five of each category so good job jamie yep jamie yeah. is the man uh but we'll see if you're uh we'll see if your guys are the ones who win all these awards and we'll see if your predictions are going to be as good as our predictions here for the next round of the fcs playoffs brought to you by the versus sports simulator there is no way these guys can predict football games better than me I am the Mighty versus Sports Simulator. 
All right, guys, here we go. Time for the versus sports simulator to give us this week's games. Um, I did not see our last one here, Chattanooga and Furman on there yet. I'm sure it's just popping up or loaded when I did screenshot. But for now, let's just stick with the four that are on the screen. We'll give every single person one prediction. So, Jamie, we'll start with you with this Delaware matchup. Delaware heading to Montana. The versus sports simulator favors Montana by about 11 and a half points. Do you see the over under there and uh, who will be victorious, my man? Yeah, I, I just if I thought Ryan O'Connor was playing for Delaware, I'd have a little bit more confidence that they could at least make this close. Going to Wagres, that's an atmosphere that Delaware hadn't seen. And it's just it's going to be cold. It's going to be pretty intimidating for him. I, th I think Montana probably wins this game by 20 points. All right, the Grizz looking to advance here. Mercer going to South Dakota State. I guess I get the easy ones. Uh, but South Dakota State point spread 38 and a half is roughly what I'm seeing there. Um, I will take the under. I'll take the under, but I'll take South Dakota State. So I'll I'll stick with my prediction. I'll say 38 to 10. South Dakota State wins. Mercer maybe puts one in at the end just to get to that 10. It's probably 38-3 up to that point. So take the under, but the Jackrabbits have no problems with the Bears. Kyler, here you go. NDSU to Montana State. This is a big one. What do you got? This is the worst North Dakota State team since they have joined the FB or FCS outside of that three-win team, right? Definitely the, the worst team that they've had since been playing playoff eligible. That being said, um, no, I don't know. Montana State, they're just so one-dimensional. I think North Dakota State's defense can maybe find how to plug them up like Montana did. If North Dakota State has a competent coach, which I believe they do, they definitely still have talent on that defensive side of the ball. I think they will be able to bottle up maybe Malott, maybe Chambers in the run game. Um, gosh, this game is hard. This has it as a, what, a it's point zero. two? Yeah, a basically point, a 0.27 game. So this is a pick em. And you give this to me, I hate you, you <laughs> bastard. Um, let me go with North Dakota State because I'm a, I'm a big sky bias. Let's go the Valley. Going with the Bison. Okay, Richmond and Albany. This is a great one. CAA matchup, Jamie. Lines up well for you, my man. Albany's favored here, 16 and a half points. Whoa, big favored for Albany. Is it going to be that big of a blowout or no? No, I don't think Albany wins by 16, but I do think Albany wins. I think they probably win by 10 points. They're a much more complete team, uh, much better on offense, much better on defense. And that's not to say Richmond's a slouch on defense or offense, really, but I, I do see Albany uh, taking this game and, and rolling on to the next round. Very good. All right, guys, next one up here. Sacramento State going to South Dakota. Um, oh, man. I know what Kyler said. Sacramento State sucks. Yeah. They're not good. South He's Dakota's favored. Uh, South Dakota's favored by basically 11 and a half points. Yeah. That's oh. tricky, right? Because you don't have faith in South Dakota, even though they have the resume to prove it. The thing is, is that South Dakota's defense will push them past. Screw it. I'm going to take the upset. I'll take Sac State by three. Told you. Hornets win. Hornets win by three points. Sac State rolls on. Upset. South Dakota, great year. Shout out to them. But yeah, this is more of an emotional pick. He uh, wants I'll a home game. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take Sac State in the victory. The bias bison. 
wants the home game, I guess. All right, Kyler, um, here you go. Do you want it? Do you want this Southern Illinois? Give me whatever you want to give. Oh, I got to give you. All right, then Southern Illinois going to Idaho. The Rashes versus the Chris's. What do you got? And this well, is a two-and-a-half-point game. Chris Hammond sucks. Like, there's not one person I hate more than Chris Hammond. Um, with his stupid takes, his horrible bets, his very first podcast appearance ever, he said Idaho was going to run the big sky and win a national championship, and they were dog crap. So Chris Hammond has just been the worst takes of all time, and I hate him as a person. He's the worst person of all time. I hate him. He's a little oh, yeah. hobbit. He dances in the rain with barefoot. Gross. Beautifully. Just just Beautifully. disgusting human being. So that being said, I don't care who's supposed to win, but Jeremiah Rash, you are the best. So all I know is the Sockalukis of Southern Illinois, they are making a return. They're beating Idaho. Screw the big sky. Let's go, Southern Illinois. Dang, Salukis over Idaho. Screw the seeds you, are famine, you bitch. Seeds are starting to drop, guys. And Villanova's the eighth seed, Jamie. So it's your game to pick. Youngstown going to Nova. What do you got, man? Uh, I, I think it's going to be an intriguing game. What's the spread? That spread on this 3. one's going to be 5. about three and a half. Villanova covers that. I, I think Villanova's a better team than Youngstown. They've got a really, really strong defense and they've got a quarterback, Connor Watkins, that hardly anybody knows about. Got a couple of receivers out there. Villanova wins this game. Very good. And I will take Furman, the seven seed, to still win against Chattanooga. Um, look it up on the Versus Sports Simulator for spread and information. But I do think Furman at home, number seven. I'm not going to overthink the Wofford loss. I think they're still going to get that victory. And um, if the over-under is less than 10, I'll actually take Furman to cover. So I think Furman's going to come out, and I think they're going to play really well. So I will take them in victory. Gentlemen, a longer episode than we normally have, and that is totally an okay thing. Uh, more time spent with the OG crew here. We like to thank our sponsors, Walk on Apparel and Versus Sports Simulator. Make sure you use promo code FCS Fans Nation when you are checking out for subscriptions or apparel with those companies. Kyler, Jamie, it was a joy to be with you guys on this evening. And we are rolling into round two, and I will be busy off of a drill weekend and heading to Cabo the next day for a little vacation time. Uh, so next week, expect an, a very quick and early drop of the FCS Fans Nation podcast. And for all of you that are now traveling into these seated games, we've had a lot of fans interacting on our Facebook page about, hey, what should I expect from tailgate? What about hotels, flights, information? Now is the time for you to start planning and use our Facebook and Twitter platforms to really find some new friends, find some new uh, tailgate rigs, and get ready to have a good time as a good community within the FCS. That's what this whole sucker is about, just like it'll be for us when we tidy-ho, tiptoe down to Frisco. That being said, thanks for listening to the FCS Fans Nation podcast, guys. We will catch you next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to the FCS Fans Nation podcast. Make sure to like and subscribe to this podcast on your preferred listening platform, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Google, or even YouTube. And make sure to follow our FCS Fans Nation social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you for listening to the premier podcast for FCS football. Both. Like since the early 90s, maybe even 80s, there was no Christmas classic that has ever been created until Elf.
Like nothing. Like 